Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. All right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. It is an election day edition of Longhorn Blitz. Had to bump back recording this week. Didn't intend to do it on election day, but such is life. <laughs> but more importantly, not in the grand scheme of things, obviously, but more importantly for the purpose of this podcast, <laughs> it is a victory edition of Longhorn Blitz, and we will break down a 41-34 overtime win over Oklahoma State and start to look a little into West Virginia, and I have got... Rod Babers, a statistic that I know you're probably willing to sink your teeth into and will latch on to as we go forward in the week uh, because I loved it so much. Went down a little, not a total rabbit hole, mini rabbit hole, and found something hmm. leading into the West Virginia game in terms of Tom Herman and the narrative that he's not good as a ranked team, facing an unranked team oh, yeah. as head coach, uh, and also can this program handle success? We'll talk about it, but we got to break down this win over Oklahoma State. And to do that with me, I now bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. He is our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. Matt, did you vote already? Yes, I did. I went out and did some early voting. Mm-hmm. Good. It was a pretty odd coincidence. Ran into my cousin outside the polling place. It nice. was just, yeah, big Nice. <laughs> nice. Are we at the point now where all of our polling places are using uh, you know, electronic ballots? Have you guys ever done, gone to a polling place where you had to use paper ballot? No, I don't think so. Mm, I haven't. The first election I ever voted in was the 2002 gubernatorial election in Texas. I used pay, old school paper ballot, and <laughs> then uh, the 04 presidential election, I used old school paper ballot. <laughs> My memory's not good for uh, 04. I can't exactly remember if it was paper or not, but if you did, then it probably was paper when I did it. I just can't remember. Yeah, that's such as life when you're vote, when you're polling places in Andice, Texas, Matt. Not a lot. Ah, uh, true. You can count those by hand. And I've get always remembered. Get them in in a timely manner. It was a very weird like turning of a circle for a long time. That was always what you did when you voted. Uh, a man who he could talk politics, he could talk pop culture, he can talk a number of things. But on this show, we love him because he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002. All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. 
Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. Rod Appreciate B., did you, uh, did you vote already? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Early voting. Like, uh, like we're all exercising our constitutional mm-hmm. rights to vote. That's awesome. I hope everybody listening to this show did the same. Don't care who you voted for, just as long as you educated yourself on the issues, you got out and voted. Congratulations to you. Guys, congratulations also in order to the Texas Longhorns. They won a football game right. 41-34 on Halloween. They go to Stillwater and get a win. Rod, first of all, let me just say, we were going to record this on Monday, as we usually do with Longhorn Blitz. I was having massive back issues. <laughs> I went to a Rosti. They got me right. I'm on the road to uh, you know not being hunched over and crunched over in pain all the time, so feeling much better today. But Rod, we talked about this yesterday or on Monday, I should say, when we sat in here and we're going to record before we postponed. Uh, if you ask a Texas fan, hey, what really changed about this game, the answer should be nothing because it wasn't that much different from, with the exception of the Baylor game, it's not that different from every other game this team has played in Big 12 play, mm. with two notable exceptions, one being special teams, not only it wasn't killing you, it was actually helping you in mm-hmm. this game, and... <laughs> You just made a couple of plays when you really needed to. Yeah, I was. Uh, I agree with that. I think it's special teams uh, was a strength form, and I don't know if special teams has been a strength form all year long. And I would say on on defense, you formulated an identity of sorts because you just wanted to stop the run, and you gave up a lot in the passing game, which we'll talk about. But uh, they hadn't the run defense hadn't been that good all year. And it hadn't been that focused all year. And so I think that was also a big part of right. You were able to make a team one-dimensional. Um, Baylor, I don't know, we got to kind of cut Baylor out. Baylor seems to be the outlier, whether it be penalties and missed tackles and everything. Like, it seems to be more the outlier than the, the norm. So I, I think for Texas, it's just important for them to be able to, you know, I mean, not only find a way to win, but it was just, I think you're right, it was, it was the, the margin for error for them, obviously, is always really, really small. But the special teams helped them out and made a couple of big plays. Of course, they had to miss the extra point, but they made they made big plays, and they had been a liability all year long. And then I think ultimately the defense, had, I think, took a step forward because the linebackers, as I pointed out last, last week, they are no longer a liability. They are now, I, I think, I don't know if they're a strength, but they're not a liability anymore. Mm-hmm. The, the liability has switched from the linebackers to the corners, and I think that game – was an example of that. Those linebackers were able to pitch into the rush defense effort, and they stopped the run successfully. The corners were left on an island to fend for themselves, and we saw how that worked out. Yeah, from a strategic standpoint, Rod, we talked about Chris Ash was going to have to pick his spots on when he rolled coverage to Tylen Wallace's side of the field, when they helped the corners. Uh, he didn't. There was yeah, there, I was gonna he say there was no strategy. Just picked one spot. It was just stop Chuba. That was yeah. it. Well, yeah, that's right. It's like stop Chuba, and I think it was a smart move because he wanted to put the ball in Spencer Sanders' hand and force Spencer Sanders to beat you. Yeah, and we all know Spencer Sanders can beat you, but he's just as likely to beat himself too yeah, as he is to beat you. Part. And that's exactly what happened. Spencer yeah. Sanders gave you a few, and that's exactly what you needed in that game. So I think it was a smarter move. Now looking back on it, I think it was a smarter move. It could have blown up in your damn face, and Tyler Wallace could have made you look bad with and, and broken an NCAA record for yards <laughs> receiving. That could have happened too. Yeah. But Gundy wanted to stick with the run. Gundy wanted to run the rock because I think he got afraid in the end, damn, Spencer Sanders could literally give this game away, and he could have. 
And um, last year it was yeah. at the same point that Chuba, I mean, he had Grundy just wanting to run all game long, and I really think that but he that had a freshman maybe, quarterback, which is a little different. I understood that with the freshman quarterback, but you're right, he should have. And, thrown and also, off. just a tendency that I think they went into this game knowing, because I, I don't think necessarily the last few years you could just sit there and be like, man, Gundy, he definitely just wants to run the ball. If he were to pick and choose how this offense runs, it's like, no, this year, this is how he wants this team to True. run. With the defense. And it's a risky proposition because a lot of the times, if you're talking about taking away say, the least explosive half of an offense, that's something that if you're wrong, you can get beat quicker and bigger, which isn't always what you want to do if you're talking about it. So you got to be self-aware and assess your situation, and the coaching staff must have liked how they line up, and it makes sense. I mean, Texas's D-line is elite. It has players on the front end that's elite at the collegiate level. Now, they aren't necessarily proven. Texas fans aren't – these aren't guys that you're like, oh, yeah, we're coming into the year. We're going to have one of the best D-lines. You're like, you know you have the best D-line talent maybe in the conference, but we hadn't seen it put together because the defense had so many issues. And then to allow Wallace to be the one threat that might beat you, it's like, man – We've seen entire games go downhill because you can't stop somebody on the outside and they're explosive and beat you over and over and over. But like you said, when you the decision maker is a guy back there and that is volatile and has a chance for a big explosive but also a chance to make big-time mistakes, they're going to go and put pressure. What do you do with pressure? Well, that's the type of way to get to a quarterback and cause mm-hmm. an offense sort of to chop the head of the snake off right there because of the fact that, yeah, well, if you go and just go in and get into his face, not only this play, but for the rest of the game, it can be something that's inside of his mind and make him make decisions that maybe he doesn't always make. So after looking at it, it's an impressive game plan and then the deploy it and actually go out there and enact it throughout 60 minutes. And it makes you feel so confident, not only with the D-line, but like you said, now two games in a row, Texas's only players on defense to play every single snap are the two linebackers. Yeah. You don't have anybody else that's done that. And we sort of talked about that in the Big 12, that, you know, it's a devalued position, but it's a valuable position. And especially when you have those two guys on there more than anybody else on your defense, it makes you feel some type of security that you can actually rely on something and then worry about the rest of the mismatches. It isn't something that's volatile. You don't have now a front seven you can almost rely on. That's something you haven't had at Texas for the last few years. Yeah, Rod, you brought up something on the triple option early in the week last week that kind of got me going down this line of thinking in terms of talking about the Texas defensive line's importance in this game. That was the Oklahoma State Mm -hmm. offensive line. And I'd kind of forgotten all the issues they'd had in the offseason with guys, whether the guys got kicked out of the program, left on their own volition. uh, You know, that offensive offensive line was a work in progress. So I I, I went and you guys know, I mean, Football Outsiders is one of the sites we lean on for some metrics. And I love their, they're one of the few sites that actually does line of scrimmage metrics. So I started looking at the Oklahoma State offensive line. And Matt, I'm sure you looked at the numbers going Mm -hmm. into the game too. They were not impressive. I mean, nope. they were top. I don't know that in any run game metric, they were top fifty in the country. Nope. Uh, you know, now they, they're dropped down to where they aren't even in top fifty-five, and it's like seventy-fifth overall in line yards. Yeah, really and, far and down. I was like, man. So then you started looking, and, and people, you know, on Light the Tower got on me. Oh, Jeff, you're just blowing smoke about this defensive line. I'm like, no. Like the Texas defensive line, they were top ten in the country in line yards per carry allowed. Mm-hmm. They were, I think, top fifteen-ish in the country in stuff rate. So you start looking at the metrics, mm-hmm. and that's where 
Rod, you said it. I said it on my show. I wrote it on the side. Right, look, if, if Texas wins this game, we're going to come out of it saying that defensive line dominated yeah. on the line of scrimmage. Rod, that's exactly what you got. All five of your sacks, if you're Texas, were, were – uh, accounted for by the defensive line. Wow. Uh, I think all but maybe like a half of a tackle for loss was attributed to the defensive line. They had eight of those, so seven and a half were the defensive line. Mm. Uh, and then we haven't even gotten into Joseph Osai's performance. But yeah, you, you you need if you were Texas, one of your keys to winning this game, one of your formula to winning this game should have included, needed to include, had to include that defensive line owning the line of scrimmage. That's exactly what they did. Mike Gundy before the game. Here's his quote about his O line. And this is what I brought up on the show. That had him, I was like, man, this, this has got to be he, brutally honest. I don't know if I've heard Gundy this brutally. He said, we have good skilled players, and we are coming along a bit as an offensive line, but we've made some strides. We have to be protective a little bit on what we do on offense. We can't be like we've been in the last 10 or 12 years and do anything we want. And he went on to say, as we develop an offensive line, then we will get a little better as we go throughout the season. He said he went further to say, we have two guys on the offensive line that have played in just two or three games in their entire career. 40% of your offensive line doesn't have much experience, and there's going to be a price to pay for that. Yeah. It's almost like he foreshadowed it. He, oh, yeah. he knew that his off, he knew that that was the biggest weakness on that offense. And I know Spencer Sanders is a liability. Spencer Sanders is high risk, high reward, mm-hmm. right? He's going to give Exactly. He's going to give you really big plays and splash plays, but he also is going to make some boneheaded mistakes and big-time mistakes, and that's what happened in that game. But when you exacerbate that with the fact that you didn't have Chuba, it's basically one of Chuba's worst games. It's basically his worst game in any game of his career with multiple carries in terms yeah. of yards per carry. He had 2.9 mm-hmm. yards per carry, something like that. So when you take that away, then you just have Spencer Sanders throwing to Tylen Wallace. He stares down receivers all the time. So I don't know how the DBs couldn't make more plays on the ball. But anyway, uh, I digress. But with all that said, it ends up being a really good game plan because I think Chris Ash saw the same thing that we were looking at, that, all right, if I'm going to win this game – I have to grind that, you know, if you're going to grasp at straws, and, and I would say the D-line, O-line might have been grasping at straws, that matchup, then grind it to a freaking nub. Grind yeah. it to sand. And that's what he did. He, he blitzed, even blitzed more than I thought he would. He probably blitzed more in this game than he's blitzed in any game this year. i got to go back and track it. But he blitzed quite a bit in this game, too. Yeah, in terms of individual performances, just go up and down that D-line. That was – we'll get into Osai in a minute, but that was the best game I've seen Taquan Graham play. Great game. That was the best – I mean, Kobe we haven't Jones really seen Jacoby game. Jones, period, and then he has a, a monster game yeah. on Saturday. Totally so, agree. Yeah. Coburn is always underrated because he doesn't show up on a stat sheet. But the, but, the key yeah. to me, Raul, and I, I want to get to Osai. don't want to shove that aside. That is the, the biggest storyline coming out of this game for me. Mm-hmm. But, Rod, you mentioned that the linebackers, I love the way you put it, are they the best linebacker duo in the Big Twelve? By no means, mm-hmm. but they're not—they're not killing you. They're no. not—they're not hurting you. Not anymore. No, I, I said—I said last week, and unfortunately, it's still true. The corners are now your problem. Yeah, the corners are the biggest liability on this team. Defensive lines are strength. Safety's a strength. <laughs> Safety is uh, safety's all. The safeties are your better cover guys. Yep. Chris Brown covers better than any of your corners. Then yep. Chris Brown matched up a couple of times on deep balls. He doesn't panic. He just turns, looks for the ball. It's simple. Let's look at Caden, Stern, Caden Stearns plays the ball in Caden's, the air as well as anybody you've got on the roster. Yeah, that was actually one of Caden Stearns' better games, too. But those are strengths now. Linebacker, we said, you know, hey, they make as many plays as they give up. That's all you really can ask from the linebackers. They make as many plays as they're going to give up. Corner, you're getting, you're getting killed at corner. Think about this. Let's talk about the it was transition to Joseph Osai here. Joseph Osai had an Adama Kung Su type performance. We'll give this stat here in a sec because John Bianca 100%. put out a really good stat. Go look at 
Colt McCoy's and Jordan Shipley's passing numbers and receiving <sighs> numbers during that game. <laughs> it cost Colt McCoy a Heisman Trophy. They medi- mm-hmm. They're mediocre because he was a force of nature. So Joseph Osai had that kind of performance defensively, rushing a passer. All right? And, yes, Spencer Sanders had 400 yards passing. Yes. Now, I know Tyler Wallace is really good, but let's, let's get – guys, Jordan Shipley and Cole McCoy won scrubs, right? He's like the greatest receiver in Texas history. So that's how bad our corners are, is that you had Nadama Kung Su mm-hmm. <laughs> on your D-line, and you said probably the best D-line performance overall. You were rushing a passer. Against Spencer Sanders, who doesn't go through progression reads. He stares down receivers. Mm-hmm. And yet, you gave up 400 yards passing. Guys, guys, it's an issue. Oh, like, 100%. at this point, yeah, and they, they, not only do they not know how to play the ball, but at this point, they don't even try to make plays on the ball. They're not even processing information throughout the game. They keep running the same play, the, uh, the deep out, over and over again. When are you going to jump the deep out? Dude, he is staring down the receiver. He is throwing from the opposite hash at times. And you got safety up over the top. Jump the deep out. Jump that route. What are we doing? What are they teaching the court? And some of these guys are playing off, and they're staring at the quarterback. Listen, <laughs> when you are playing off, staring at the quarterback, or you're bailing, staring at the quarterback, through the receiver at the quarterback, why aren't you reading a three-step? You should be able to read Spencer whatever. Sanders is staring right at you. He's looking right at you. He's going to throw the ball at you. Jalen Green, Green did it one time, and he got a pick. And he got a pick. That's I, a big play. And that was just a bad throw since that was late. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it was just a bad throw. But still, the corners got to start. Right now, at this point, every 3.75 targets at the corners results in an explosive pass play, 15 yards or more, a defensive pass interference call, or a holding call. So just go 3.75. And you know the truth is? Oklahoma State didn't go at them enough. Yeah. yeah they should have kept, honestly, they should have just kept throwing at the corners. We mm-hmm. talked about the same thing in the Baylor game, Rod. <laughs> like, Baylor had that one drive where. <laughs> They went at Jalen Green, and then after the DPI, they stopped going at the corner. Stop going at him. It's like, what are you doing? Keep going. And they're going. They're attacking the middle of the field, and like, just it, they're not getting explosive plays because Texas wasn't missing tackles. So Chris Ash is like, Chris Ash is like, fine. You got you guys want to try to drive this in 12, 15 plays? Go right ahead. You're going to yep. run out of time. Yeah. yeah. And if you look, but at, you can you can do it if you want. Do it. If you look at all the completions, two yards per reception. Every single DB allowed more than 10 yards per reception on the game. Now, if you look at per target, it gets a little bit deeper. Like Chris Brown was very good on his. It was three targets, only 14 yards. But people like Thompson per target, uh, nearing 12. Looks like Cook. per target. Yeah, per target. Yes, Cook, 18 yards per target on the three times he was targeted. Did you guys send me, send me those numbers, please. Adam Mora was right at almost nine yards per target. It was Adam Mora's like their be- one of the best coverage guys. Because he's in the, in the toughest position he is. he put he's, there. So he's, these he's, numbers, so in the yeah. slot, and you know, Cook, nine Cook targets. Is too. And Cook, Cook is, is too. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's exactly. And then Jamison, actually, his – the the frustration there, I guess, was the penalty. Though he didn't get many that hey, were. And he turned around and made a play on the ball. Yes, he, it took him a while, but yep. he turned, looked, and leaned, and made a play on the ball on Tyler Wallace. So that I'll give him props. The corners are making strides. Yes. They're just baby steps. They're really, really slow. Still strides. baby steps. It was Jalen Green to round out the numbers. It was six targets for forty six yards, so right around eight yards per target. So those still still can go in the better direction. But overall, when you look at the way that the DBs played, it was. At least there's the mentality, the playmaking mentality. I really think that they feel the pass rush, like understand that the pass rush is getting home. So at least you can you're, get coached up to play the ball in a quicker window. Now they aren't doing it very well, but in that situation.
situation when you know that you have a pass rush that actually is getting there, it can only help you mentally that know that you have this little small window to defend. It isn't like, say, in recent years when you didn't even at times have pass rush, and then you're just going to be taken advantage of on the second play by the quarterback anytime you have a mobile quarterback. True. By the way, Rod, Colt McCoy's numbers in that Big 12 championship game, and this will lead us into Joseph hmm. Osai, uh, and Dominican Sue in that game. Let me see if I can find a Dominican Sue's numbers. Oh, he, it, uh, oh they were 12. It, it was almost similar to Osai. It was 12 tackles, Sue, 12, four and 12 half tackles, sacks. 12 tackles, 7 tackles for loss, 4, four and, and a half, half sacks. sacks. Yeah. Uh, Colt McCoy that night at AT&T Stadium, then Cowboy Stadium, uh, 20 for 36, no touchdown passes, 184 yards, three interceptions and he was sacked nine times he lost a Heisman trophy that night yeah mm-hmm. exactly so I mean so I would say that Spencer Sanders threw a lot of interceptions made a lot of mistakes or threw an interception threw one interception and actually made a lot of mistakes and fumbled the ball but he did throw for 400 something yards 400 on the dot on the nose. That. yep so uh, oh, yeah but Rod Joseph Osai when we talk about this performance 12 tackles six tackles for loss three sacks had a fumble recovery and a forced fumble. He is the first Power 5 defender since Ndamukong Sue in that game to record at least 12 tackles, <laughs> six tackles for loss, and three sacks in a game. And you, you just say the name Ndamukong Sue, and Matt, I already see the look on your face. Like, it just brings back just yeah. nightmares. <laughs> Craig, Craig Wade and I were talking about it on Light the Tower. It's PTSD, man. Uh, Craig, Craig just kind of gave a, Ooh, like, you just yeah. you just remember. It, it, it was, and you felt bad for Colt watching that game, which, by the way, well, guys. Oh, so I made uh, the opponents look the same way, though. It was so, He's so dominant on the field. It isn't only that the stats were that great. Yeah. Sue looked like a man throwing children around. And Osai had plays. Uh, I mean, Lyman, his short space explosivity, when he's in the pass, like, it, he gets to close in those last seconds or two. It's just something that you'd never get to see when somebody sits stands out so much compared to his peers. Yeah, I, I was covering a, a high school football playoff game that night because I was still covering recruiting. Uh, I have not – I haven't brought myself to go back and watch that full game because just to – Oh, man. Oh, I have on my own you guys, You guys know how it's much I value watching. good offensive line it's play. Watching, just, man. just to – I mean, I might have to go back and You're watch You're an old lineman, so you should. You, it, you um, would – you'd be amazed. It yes. is. It's amazing. I might, I've, I've only fact, seen the highlights. I might watch the Osai game. I might watch uh, Texas Oklahoma State again and then watch the Dumbacoon suit. I might watch them back-to-back. Mm-hmm. And see, just try to compare them because Longhorn I still Network don't think should do that. Joseph Osai's game compared to Ndamukong Sue, but statistically it did. Mm-hmm. But, Rod, you talk about Osai, and I had an article at Horns 24 7 right now just trying to put it in context with some of the best defensive performances that I've seen in recent years. And I started I started with Derek Johnson in the Oklahoma game in 2004. It was a good one. In a 16 tackle game, and he was all over the field that day and pretty much. Him by himself, he had an interception, a forced fumble. He kept Texas in that game where Texas was shut out, twelve nothing. Uh, you know, Jackson Jeffcoat late in that twenty thirteen season, he had a couple of monster games. Had like a three sack game against Texas Tech. There was an Earl Thomas two interception game, the Deshaun Elliott game. Earl Thomas two interception game came against Oklahoma, right? And Brian, yeah. <laughs> I think I think the game, the game, and the magnitude of the game need to be discussed as well. That's why the Joseph side game is so big. People are talking about Tom Herman being fired this yep. year right. if he loses that game. Mm-hmm. Talking about Dumba Kung Su in a Big Twelve title game. Talking about Earl Thomas in Texas OU. So I feel you about the Jeff thing, but it's like, yeah, if this gets West Virginia, yeah, like, same, sorry, you don't same get the game. Yeah, that's why I forgot, like, Cedric yeah, Green had one of those games, but it was yeah. a West Virginia D- game. DJ was against a, Oklahoma. Season. That's big. Brian Arakpo in that Oklahoma game, too, Rod, I think that was for him a, like a four-tackle for loss, three-sack game. Yeah. To your point, Rod, the Alex Oka for Alamo Bowl was one that it wasn't, it was as, big big, exactly. wasn't as big. It wasn't as big. And it was the opponent's Oregon State, but it still was like, 
Uh, that was one where you were like, man, that dude is dominating that tackle. But that's that was even I remember that. more unique because it wasn't an all-around game. It was just his pass rush ability against that's that a, tackle good had point. a total overweighing. And yeah, it, it literally was what tipped that game. If though. you go back and it watch was. that game, there was a point in the second half Randy where Ma- Manny Diaz found us. a matchup is like, just, just bull rush that guy every play. Because it eliminated yeah. Brandon Cooks, to your point, the way Shipley was eliminated. <laughs> but, like, you can't throw the ball to your receiver if that pass rush is getting there in every two seconds. Time. Speaking of ragdoll, some Alex Okafor ragged on that poor, poor offensive tackle from Oregon State. It's crazy, yeah. man. But they broke him yeah, down. To your point, Rod, the a game of this magnitude with everything going on around the program. And look, this is Tom Herman's seat. The the flame probably got turned down a notch or two, but it, it's still very much there. Still there. And we're we're still talking about is there going to be change? Because let's face it, there's there are uh, stakeholders within this program, if you will, that have a say in it that are still they're. they're probably satisfied with the win but they're still not happy with the trajectory of this program so that the chatter is still there whether anybody wants it to be there or not yeah that's true but if someone wins out he's gonna keep he's staying guys yeah you can't you can't fight if he he gets to the big 12 title game he's there is no question sorry boosters and donors you don't like it like he's brown out here killing myself recruiting that's what we all predicted pretty much like he's gonna stay like i'm sorry you know it's like shaka if you remember last year like if shaka makes a tournament then he's in and i was like i don't want that but I do want to make the tournament. You don't get to have breakup sex, okay? You don't get you don't get to you know what I mean. You don't get to break up with your significant other and then have sex after. That's what Longhorn fans want with Tom Herman, like they wanted with Shaka. They want to go eight and two, make the Big Twelve title game, and then fire him and get Tom Herman or Kyle Shanahan. No, you don't get breakup sex. It doesn't happen. It's not Tom real. Tom Herman's not Makeup sex, not breakup sex. Sorry. No, you're good, Rod. <laughs> uh, I, I like I like the analogy. But guys, so I tried to find Rod a game in recent years. Where some where a Texas defender had the kind of impact Joseph Osai did from start, literally from start Ooh. to finish. What'd you find? I because I, I couldn't find it. It's got it's got to be pre pre internet. Be pre-internet yeah, because I'd, I'd have to really go <laughs> it back. Is. And, it's, on, it's in hard copies over there on the forty. I would somewhere. have to talk to to John Bianco Bill or Little. Bill Little, somebody that could tell me, hey, there was a game where Kiki De Ayala had eight sacks in a game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I even combed through the individual. Yeah game records to see if there are anything that could quickly stand out, and there really isn't. And we talked about the Okafor game, and we talked about, I mean, no size, and there's a handful of those modern ones. The DJ one, we were talking about eye tests, though, which were sort of marrying the two together. That's the that, closest one I can the think DJ of. DJ's a good one. Yeah, that's a good you, because you, that, to that's me, a great one. You can find games where Derek Johnson put up better numbers, but if you – if Against you know, now, Peterson, Oklahoma. Now, gosh, guys, we're we're like <laughs> we're, at too. I we're, forgot. We're, about think about this. We're 16 years removed from Derek Johnson's last season at Texas. So, so, so if a kid that's 16, yeah. 17 years old came to me and said, Jeff, if I want to watch a Derek Johnson game to summarize his greatness at Texas, what game should I watch? I said, watch that game. Well, it was a loss to Oklahoma. Yes, it was a loss to Oklahoma. <laughs> Go watch that game and it's watch an number game. eleven, and then come back and tell me if you've ever seen a linebacker have a better football game. I don't know, Rod, that there's been a better Texas defensive performance in a loss. I might have to watch. Derek I might have to go back and watch that game too. Then <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm just doing revisionist <laughs> no, no, history. No, 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 no. Several. It, when I post a question on Twitter, several Longhorn fans brought that up. Probably yeah. about maybe at least half of them. That's so. the one for me that that stands out. But this, Rod, it was unbelievable. It was we extraordinary. Talk, we talked about. You know, going into the year, you know, Joseph Osai potentially. And, and I did a really long piece on Horns 24-7. I looked at the last guys that basically guys that left Texas as consensus, all, consensus All-American or had All-American defensive end seasons. I started with Corey Redding in 02. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Arak mm-hmm. Poe. 
Jeff Coat, Sergio Kendall. Uh, so I think that's four. There might have been one more, but basically saying, you know, here's what Joseph Osai needs to do. Like, what what are the boxes he needs to check to have one of these All American seasons, leave as a high draft pick, et cetera, national award winner. And one of those was those guys in each of those seasons. In in though they they had a monster game in a game of consequence. Mm. Like I mentioned, Jeff Code he had the big National game against game. Tech. Tech he had one against Baylor. That Oklahoma game where Texas pulls the upset, I think Jeff Code has three and a half tackles for loss, yeah. two sacks. Big stage. I mentioned Arakpo in the OU game. Sergio Kendall, that was more kind of going on reputation, but Sergio Kendall's best game of the year statistically was the Alabama game. He had like four and a half tackles for loss and wow. two and a half sacks against against the Nick Saban offensive line. Yeah. So you had to have – if you're Joseph Osai, you had to have one of those games – you have to be in a conference title hunt, and because of him, Texas is in a conference title hunt yeah. because he had one of those games in a game of consequence. And there's one other game I forgot to mention. is a game you were on the field for, but Casey Hampton, 2000 against Oklahoma, Oklahoma. State. Yeah. Oklahoma State? Yes. Nine, oh. He ended up with three tackles for loss, two sacks, two forced fumbles, and four QB Was that hurries. after Oklahoma that year? Right before, the week before. Okay, because according to Mac, he, according to Derrick K. Royal, actually, he had an epic Oklahoma game, too, but we just got our butts whipped. Yep, he <laughs> so, had two QB hurries in that one. He had a tackle for loss. He was very good, too. Man, yeah, Casey. Man, but okay. to have four QB hurries at D, at tackle, D tackle, two sacks, yeah. Three tackles for loss and two forced fumbles. Wow. So, and that's how he rounded out that first month. That's so, after crazy. the first four games, he had four, four forced fumbles. Wow. So, Casey Hampton could have one. And that was against Okie State back in 2000. We, I'd like to say, guys, we're the, we're kind of the Casey Hampton show of record. We we just as, uh, as much as we can. And, Rod, I, I know you, guy, you, you talked about him just to hmm. kind of the leader, the kind of guy he was when he you was. played with him. Like, we don't. Uh, people need to understand, like, yes, Casey Hampton put up, like, ridiculous numbers. He did it as a nose tackle where he's getting double teamed and triple teamed every Constantly. play. Constantly. Yeah. And no. he led you in total tackles two years Twice. in a row. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of a D-tackle leading a team in tackles ever. No. He did it twice. A zero Aaron tech, Rod, a zero tech. Yeah, man, that dude. Yeah, he's crazy. That's unbelievable. Yeah. He doesn't get enough respect. But so to and close, he gets plenty to, of it. He doesn't get enough. So to close out the conversation on the defense, and I don't think we can say enough about Joseph Osai. But Rod, under Chris Ash, this defense has been really good about taking the ball away, and you can see that throughout the course of a game. If a if a safety, I've seen Caden Stearns do it a couple of times, making an open field tackle, and you're swiping at a ball. So mm-hmm. that tells you that at least, look, turnovers are one of those things that you know I've heard Will Muschamp say at any defensive coordinator work their salt. Look, sometimes they just they come in bunches and you can't explain it. Sometimes. You're in the right position. They just don't happen. Mm-hmm. But oh, if so you're so coaching so. them to happen and, and making it an emphasis, those waves will happen. And Texas just had one of those waves come their way. It was kind of the perfect storm. You had a quarterback who, like you said, Rod, he's going to make a few spectacular plays. He's going to mm-hmm. make a few plays that give you some. It's just on those plays where he's going to give you some, can you capitalize on it? And Texas did. They didn't versus Baylor, right? Remember they dropped three interceptions versus Baylor. So the concern was, all right, when Spencer Sanders does throw you one, you make sure you got to catch it. And when the ball bounces, you got to make sure it bounces your way. But I will say this about Chris Ash. This defense has been really good at taking the ball away all year long. They came into that game tied for the lead in takeaways in the Big 12. They are now the sole leader in takeaways in the Big 12. So that's something. That's just something that they've been doing. And by the way, that's without your corners you know, making a lot of plays on the ball. 
So when the corners start getting better and making more plays on the ball, which they did in this game, even though they got beat a lot, they made more plays on the ball than they have uh, in the previous uh, four Big 12 games before that, I think this defense will be even more opportunistic. And we all know that's the ultimate cheat code. I don't give a damn how bad your rush defense is and how how much you get beat if your pass defense is really terrible. Yeah, but if you can force turnovers – Ultimate cheat code, ultimate extra credit. You'll always pass the class, even if you fail the the initial test. If you get that kind of extra credit, that's what the, that's what the turnovers represent. When if you get pressure on the quarterback, that's about as well as you can predict any measure. You know, so like if you mm-hmm. you really can't predict the turnovers or which way the ball is going to bounce. But if you get into that quarterback and you may dislodge a few, you may disrupt the rhythm, or you may cause a bad decision. And that's the quickest way. And that's something that you've had individual pass rushers at Texas over recent years but it never seemed like the team effort was there to complement the one piece like Omina who was great but you weren't getting to the quarterback very often or he wasn't on the field very often it's like Osai's always out there and the other guys on the D-line can hold their end of the bargain too. Rod the one game I want to bring up just for contextual purposes in terms of games defensive lines have dominated Mm. one that I was thinking about and I figured if, if there was a game like that and I hadn't looked at it until just now if there was a game like that where somebody had one of those insane stat lines, it would have been uh, the 99 game against Nebraska here in Austin, a game you you played in. Oh, yeah. Um, the defensive line, oh, Sean Rogers, Casey Hampton, it's Cedric crazy. Woodard, and Aaron Humphrey. Unbelievable. They combined for 10 tackles for loss in that game. Yeah, dude. That, that was Honestly, I don't think I played. No, I wouldn't play with a better D-line than that. No way. It's just impossible. I mean, that D-line was unbelievable. I mean, three of those guys all four of them played in the league, but three of them were had careers in the league. Yeah. <laughs> they, were, they were pros, meaning they played more than two or three years and got a cup of coffee, more than the average. And Aaron Humphrey was in the league, was out of the league, and was one of the few guys yeah. that ended up going to the XFL and then got another shot yeah. being in the league. Yeah, it was what the Jags, I think the Bucks, maybe something like that. Yeah, I think, And then I think after the XFL, I think the Jets brought yeah. him in for a cup of coffee. And there's nobody in the world that fits the XFL more than Aaron Humphrey. Oh, I love A. Hump, too. Man, A. Hump's a good guy. Oh, that was a salty-ass defensive line, man. It was. It was, na- it was a nasty D-line. Yeah, it, the back end just wasn't up to par yet, but later on, Matt got the back end going. But, man, I talk about a young DB like myself. My first – I was a starter my sophomore year. My D-line had Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers on it with – Corey Redding. Rod, you didn't, even show, up in, you, you, you didn't <laughs> even show up in the box score in this game, Rod. <laughs> it's all right. That's his job. <laughs> oh, yeah, because for some reason, Carl Boris had the bright idea to put a nickel package out there against old school Nebraska running basically the triple option, pulling guards and fullbacks, and he's like, baby, you got to take them on. Yeah, Outside shoulder. Put your shoulder into it. Run through him, And I'm like, what the hell, man? Put a linebacker out there. He's not. They're not throwing. I wouldn't even guard anybody. I was literally playing linebacker. Yeah. He's like, I want Babers out there. I want Rod, a fast two hundred pound. Rod's linebacker. getting the recruiting piss from Tim Bruce or whatever. Weathers like, come here, be the next Jerry Gray, and then he's yeah. got Bull Reese talking about feather the option, take no. on, take on that leverage take that block. Oh. And I did. I think I did it twice. I did, we played in a what, Big Twelve title yeah. game too. Oh, dude, it was brutal. But I see that guard pulling around. Oh, that they would pull a center sometimes. Oh, it was brutal. Rod, what you what you weigh as a true freshman? Oh God! Well, you said you beefed up to 170, beefed up to 170, 175. Yeah, because yeah. 
I, I watched. And I think the, I had to beef up to like one. I think by the end of the season, I was probably close to one ninety. Anytime I, I was eating, anytime, I wasn't covering nobody. Yeah. I was just hitting well, linebackers. You, you need to have some pounds on them bones. Anytime that ninety nine o- o- Oklahoma game comes on, I, I managed to watch a little bit of it because LHN seems to play it a lot. Oh, but uh, oh, the Mike Leach, yeah, dummy Rod, script. Rod, that uh, that Reebok jersey on you looks like it's about two sizes too big. God. Oh, that was such an ugly. Oh, the Reebok yeah. cleats are ugly. Yeah. My toenails came off because of them damn cleats. <laughs> they were that yeah, bad. they were bad. Our toenails came off a few times because of Reebok cleats. Yeah, that was no a big good. complaint. Athletes' feet, something, and not not the like other athletes' feet, <laughs> not the but like when you talk about like basketball players, it's oh, yeah. like man, their, their feet get beat up really Dude, bad. Get beat up, man. Hey, man, as a lifelong Texas fan, it was a big deal that next year when you could buy Texas gear and had the swoosh on it. It was. Mm-hmm. It was that a was big deal. That was man. all Mac, man. Mac had that plan from the jump. It's a big sure. deal. Yeah. Uh, Rod, what is a big deal is this Texas offense. And look, let's we talk about the good part of the line of scrimmage for Texas <laughs> right now. <laughs> Guys, I said it after the, I, the alarm was going off for me after the UTEP game. Yeah. Where they couldn't really get a push. It hasn't gotten any better. It's gotten worse. And let's just face it, man. This offensive line is just bad. They're not gonna, they're not gonna if they can get to serviceable, that'll be an improvement, Rod, because they are Texas can't run the ball with any consistency. Nope. Sam Ellinger is getting a hell beat out of him. Any way you slice him, man, this offensive line is just not I mean, good right sacks now. sacks you up in that game? They gave up five in that game. Sam Ellinger has been sacked 12 times in the last three games. And you can tell Sam's playing through pain, too, because yeah. he's trying he to not embrace. Like, because when Sam's healthy, he ain't even afraid. He's embracing contact and running through. And you could tell early in this game, I mean, he was trying to be a pocket pr- passer, protect himself, and he didn't have any designed runs until, like, he yeah. had to run. And you know, there was it looked like a designed draw maybe in the they fourth quarter. They had a spiral for most of the game. But I agree, I agree with yeah. that you're saying, too, by the way. They, they had a spiral for most of the game, too. But you're right. He doesn't look healthy. Well, he's admitted because he's been it. getting the crappy. Yeah. We finally heard from a source of Horns 24-7 that uh, – you know, like well, Sam was limited in practice after the Baylor game because the you know the the calf, the, calf, the, the helmet calf. to the calf, like it's it's impairing his ability to step into throws. Well, that's that's obvious. Um, so yeah, he's Ellinger's playing through injuries. He's just a warrior, man. Guys, yeah, I just I don't. And it also explains some of the throws being a little more errant if you can't step into throws. <sighs> yeah, Rod, uh, we can talk to me, and and I know you've got some thoughts. We can talk about concepts that work for this offense. We can talk about things. You know, for some reason they they find things that work and then don't force them enough. Or it's crazy, yeah. We could talk about rotations until we're blue in the face, but that's not going to change, Mm-mm. guys. Until they figure out a way to work around this offensive line, everything else for me on offense is pretty much moot. It's just can can they based on how this is where Texas is right now, based on how the defense and the special teams are playing. Can the offense look at that and say, okay, what do we need to do at this point to win the football game? At least give the offense this. At least they're not turning it over. Yeah. And under Tom Herman, that really – offensive turnovers really haven't, haven't been, been a, yeah, a they big take care issue. Of football. They do. But, man, I just – I don't know at this point what you can do if you're Mike Yurisich given just – and it's it, – it's, it's crazy to me just how bad this offensive line is. Like in 2017 – Okay, you lose Connor Williams, and we knew that offensive line had you had injuries throughout the year. Yeah, we knew they were going to be bad. Rod, I thought this offensive line was going to be a strength, and not only they're not a strength, they're they're hurting you really yeah. really bad right now. Yeah, I before the season started, and I had the rant, and I'll go back and find the quote um, just to make sure. But I have my notes right here, Lily, from the preseason, from the off season, and I said that Texas needs to make sure that they implement the 
Joe Burrow quick passing game from LSU to insulate Sam uh, with his offensive line. And what Joe, Joe Brady's belief, and I'll paraphrase because uh, if I can't find the quote here, but I'm, I'm sure I'll look for it here in a second and maybe I'll find it. But I'll paraphrase. He basically, Joe Brady's belief was, we got to get away from seven-man, six-man protections at LSU, and that's what he did. He said and emphasize more uh, basically six-man routes, if you will. Mm-hmm. All right, well, with five-man routes, as many guys on routes as possible, right? He wanted to go five wide or empties as much, empty formation as much as he could to try to get guys out on routes. So he wanted more five-man routes and less six- and seven-man protections. And I thought Texas should try to implement some of that philosophy, too, uh, because I think Sam's really good at the quick game. He's always been really good at the quick game. That's partly why when they go into two-minute mode and they late in the game when Sam's got to come save the day and they go hurry up up-tempo, that Sam's pretty good. Go look at when they go empty formation, and even in this game when they went empty formation. Mm-hmm. They were, they, were, they were slicing up Oklahoma State out of empty formation because Sam can do that. He's getting the ball out of his hands really quickly, but also that will insulate him a little bit. And they didn't. I don't know why they haven't tried to do that. I think that's part of the reason that Sam has lost trust in the offensive line, and he's losing trust in the wide receivers too. Um, and I think that all of that is kind of working in this uh, kind of downward spiral where the offense is going right now from where it started. Well, and going empty like that, not only does it help you with those numbers when you get the five routes out, the, out there because I'll of the amount it. of defenders needed to defend them, yeah. but it actually it helped. Yeah. It, it defines everything quicker for them. If they yes. want to blitz, great, blitz me. Yes. I got five wide. Somebody's five wide open. Wide open, <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally and, wide open. And it's going to be immediately open. Yeah. So it's going to simplify the decision-making process in that regard. And But the part where it's almost most misunderstood is we're talking about the running game. And, I mean, if you watch the Arizona Cardinals, it's why that they're able to run all over the NFL and pass now. The second in but, the NFL in, in rushing. Well, at least yeah, they were. Yeah, okay. and all the metrics, I mean, on per carry things, they've been up there even last season. And it's not because, oh, well, they're great at running the ball. It's like, no. They're going to go and spread you out as much as possible. Numbers. You can get your passing back. Numbers exactly. <laughs> and then your quarterback, That's if you have a quarterback that's mobile, it's going to make it even easier on him because he's the man that's unaccounted for and you're taking an extra man out of the box. And if they want to then overload one aspect of it, you're going to have, like you were saying, the wide open guy. And that's where these modern offenses at this line of scrimmage, people like Sam, I mean, when Sam's at quarterback, he's as, as experienced of a collegiate quarterback and at the line of scrimmage, in what he's seeing and switching into the right decision, and that's just why you'd like to see more of it. They, Rod, there was a sack Texas gave up in the second half where they showed the Fox TV copy. It cuts to kind of the wide receiver development on the route. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching Joshua Moore trying to put a double move on somebody and just oh, a slow God. developing was, like I switch routes, and I'm like, <laughs> in a third, you're getting yourself into third and long. Why do you con- just continually insist on making this a drop-back passing game yeah. against an offensive line that can't hold up, against receivers that can't get off press coverage? And I asked Tom Herman about the man coverage issue because he kind of hit on it, and I, I wanted to get his thoughts on it after the game. He said, we weren't great. He's like, we did enough. But the enough they did, Rod, it was moving guys around and scheming some things up. I don't know that anybody really just beat man coverage on their own, just blew by a guy or um, – Oh, I got the numbers, actually, if you want to look at that. Yeah, I mean, they didn't really do a great job of beating man coverage. They did an okay job yeah. of it. And basically, it was schemed open. So there were 
two receptions. If you get bump and run coverage, there were two receptions on nine targets for the receivers uh, when they were going up against bump and run coverage. Both of those were by Brandon Eagles. One was a touchdown, and then one was like a first, like a smoke route on a first down. Yeah. He got a first down on that one. And here's what happens on the Brennan Eagles touchdown, and it's brilliant. And give the the credit to the Texas offensive staff. I love Since it. the TCU game, they have had this um, kind of concept that helps the wide receivers get off of press coverage. They'll have two receivers to one side of the field, and they'll have one off the line, the one on the outside, the number one receiver. You come from the outside in. Uh, from the sideline in. They'll have him off the line of scrimmage, and they'll motion him to almost a stack, whether he's Mm -hmm. inside or outside of that number two receiver, and they end up stacked to a certain extent. What that does is oftentimes it'll either force the defense to switch responsibilities, switch their alignments, and switch their assignments, or... Uh, it forces them to play levels, so they'll they'll play off of you. They won't play bump and run. They'll play levels. Either one will play bump and the other will play off. Either way, it forces those defenders to, to at the last minute, switch their technique. What Oklahoma State did, and I don't know why they did it, because the defender who was Holmes, I believe was his name, who was defending Jake Smith on the outside before he went in motion, they had their corners switch. Basically, mm-hmm. basically, they decided to go, oh, you know what? We're going to bump this coverage over. So they bumped it. The outside guy ended up guarding Brendan Eagles instead of Jake Smith and bumped the coverage over to Jake Smith to his to the other corner, which didn't really make a lot of sense. He could have just went over the top of him and been played off and actually played Jake Smith the whole time. So I didn't really understand it. But once that corner bumps, Sam does a great job of timing out the snap perfectly for where the corner, as soon as he bumps over, he doesn't have time to get set. Yep. All right? And it's a corner. It's always about getting set so you know your leverage and your technique, your alignment, your assignment. Before all of that can add up for the corner, Sam snaps it. Brendan Eagles used the leverage, gets open, free release, touchdown. And that's where the yeah. t- timeliness, being able yep. to identify. The timing is big. And yes, exactly. To be able to do that and having those guys understand what's accomplished there so big for just the idea that the opponent is still in the area where they're trying to decipher. There's a momentary minute of confusion, and that's where tempo can be different. Like, they're talking about the tempo, the tempo within yeah. the play. This isn't tempo with running up to the line, getting it as fast as you can. There are many different ways that tempo can be implemented, and this is a tempo-based play that's based on the motion yeah. and then going. And the, Exactly, and then the defensive back. The second it, you lull them to sleep, and it's the same way boom, like you'll you see it. other yep. types of tempo on play calling tempo like at the pro level like McVeigh does it as much as possible where you're trying to be deceptive by changing up different tempos of your offense within plays what you just laid out rod that is a Mike Yersich staple I heard him I I forget what offseason chalk talk he was doing that I was locked into but he basically said he said his offensive coordinators he said the two weapons we have in our arsenal that we I remember need to quote. maximize yes. are motion yep. and cadence, cadence. Mm-hmm. and you did both of them on that yeah play. that's a great point um, and so I just that's a great concept though to help your receivers get open they've been using mm-hmm. that for the last three or four weeks right. they use it again and what we're saying about the five man route concept as opposed to the six man protections is, and this is the quote from Joe Brady from last year. Mm-hmm. He says, statistically, it shows that when you're in a five man protection, five man protections give up less sacks. A lot of people think that when you get a lot of pressure, you need to bring the box in and bring the max protection, seven man protections. But I think you actually go five man protections against more pressure. You actually get the ball out faster. You limit what the defense can actually do, yes. which is true. 
So I think I'm with you. I don't know why they don't just go more. I go more five. Teams start wanting to pressure me. I go more uh, empty formation on them. And while we're in the this ball out conversation, I've already seen this, tempo. I've already seen this offense give up a sack against the seven man protection. So yeah, right. Just give me, well, give me something against else. A three man rush. Yeah, give me something else. <laughs> and this is where contextual data matters so much because, like, you're looking in the modern analytics world and can quickly look at something and be like, oh well, it works. And then this one, it's less pressure. Well, it's mm-hmm. like it's only less pressure if you get the ball out in time. So you exactly. got to. Exactly. And Joe Burrow gets the ball out. Well, and in Sam, time a and senior quarterback, will probably will too. And being coached yeah. up, but that's also where, like, if you don't exactly know what you're looking at and looking at the data and be like, oh well, they said that this five man line, you're going to go and have less pressure. It's like, no, you have to get. It only gets less pressure because of this alternative thing that's affecting it, which is the mental aspect of making that decision so quick and timely and understanding the situation you're being put in. Because over time, if you're going to be sitting back there for four seconds, it's probably going to be way, way worse. But understanding your personnel, being self-aware and self-scouting, then the players go out there and actually implement. At some point, somebody in that offensive meeting room, whether it's Tom Herman when he's in there, Mike Yersich, Herb Hand, it doesn't matter. Somebody's got to stand up and say, guys, we don't have Alabama or Georgia's offensive line. We've got to do something to help this offensive line. And we got to do something to help protect Sam. Yes. I think we're going to get our quarterback murdered before the end of the year. He's yeah. not going to make it to the end of the year. We keep this up. What, what, so more, because, more of those five-man lines. Yeah. Yeah, because get the if ball out quick, it's going to be less hits on Sam. That should okay. be the conversation, Rob, because if your quarterback gets hurt, and you don't have him down the stretch, none, none of y'all are going to have jobs. None of this, exactly. <laughs> none of this matters. Exactly. <laughs> but I will say one thing I really like, because I know we're getting close to ending this thing. we got to talk about how Yurcich helped free up Josh Moore for the touchdown in yeah. overtime. So, And I love that. I put out this stat via Twitter, so go check out my Twitter at Rod Babers if you want the stat. But uh, Josh Moore, the entire game, right? Your leading receiver, he has five targets in regulation and all of them are on the outside, three of them against bump and run, zero catches, right? He can get nothing on the outside versus the corners. And I don't think Fin- any targets from the slot yet? Uh, no, no, no. But in yep. overtime, like I said, mm-hmm. somebody finally figures it out. I don't know what the hell it took him so long. Maybe you should just listen to Longhorn Blitz and you'll get some semblance of a clue. But in overtime, he gets three targets in overtime. All were in the slot or with him in motion. And the results were an incompletion. Remember, they bring him on in, in motion, and then they throw a deep ball to him in overtime, mm-hmm. and it was actually he wasn't open. But it shows you that at Not least rigid. they were trying to feature one of their top guys. Remember Tom Herman, after they beat Texas Tech in 2018, Louis Jordan Humphrey catches the game-winning touchdown. He said after, Greg Davis always taught me, in big-time moments – Think players, not plays. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he was thinking. I think they were thinking players, not plays. They were like, Josh Warren got the ball. Let's force feed it to him. Let's find a way to get it to him. So they also end up going the other target was a defensive pass interference call. Remember that one? Yep. And then a 15-yard touchdown reception, of course. So there were, I think, total in the in overtime, there were six plays, right? One, two, three, yep. four, five. Uh, no, five plays, actually, because that was the first and goal. And it was a sec. Sorry, first and first and goal. Then a second and eight. And then it was a third and eight. And then a first and goal and a second and goal. Okay, so I think there were five plays, and three of those plays were targets at Josh Moore. Yeah, all out of the slot, which is something that they, and they were all out of the slot. To do is and they slot went in your empty formation. Receiver. They put him in the, at the third receiving slot, count from the outside in. He was third. They would go empty. They would motion Rojo out, and they would put him in the slot. And he's already matched up against probably their third, fourth best cover guy. In the slot, you just that's the way it works out usually. 
And that's a concept, by the way, that they use against Oklahoma. Remember, against Oklahoma, they used that, that empty formation a ton. And Josh Moore had four receptions for 40 yards. I think like two or three first downs mm-hmm. from that formation. They kept putting them in the slot because everybody kept bumping. Oklahoma was bumping and running like 40% of the time. The wide receivers couldn't get off the jam. So give Yurcich and Herman some credit for at least evolving late in that game. In that game, to give Josh Moore a chance to be successful, and that ended up being the game-winning touchdown. I just like to see him do it earlier and more often. They, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I think they tried, but they, they, not to that extent. They didn't, they didn't force well, it. Like, like we did. said, guys, the bottom line on offense, you, you've got to figure out a way to help this offensive line. Otherwise, Sam Elliott is not going to make it through the year. Well, and that's a way you help it. Just put your best receiver closer exactly. to him in the slot. You it, see how comfortable Sam is when Jake yeah. Smith's out there. Yeah. Tom Armstrong was the best play he'd ever seen. Right, that fourth was it fourth and seven. Yeah, mm-hmm. fourth, and seven. fourth and seven. Best play I've ever seen. Sam scrambling out of the pocket. Something we've talked about the scramble drill. They suck at the scramble drill. Wide receivers suck at the scramble drill. You put one of your better wide receivers in there. He ends up running scramble drill. Sam Mellick is one of the worst quarterbacks in college football right now in terms of his passing grade outside the pocket. He's a thirty-nine, third worst in all of FBS. He's terrible. But you give him good talent. Look what he did. Scrambled. Oh, found the guy in the back of the end. How about that? Your two best receivers in the scramble drill this year have been Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington? Huh. Yes, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, so. So there's that. So uh, we'll close with this, Rod. I, I went kind of down a, a mini rabbit hole looking at the West Virginia game because we know, like we talked about on the show, I've written it on the site, this program has a problem handling success. They won a big game. Yes, they and do, man. They just kind of flounder the next week. Unfortunately. Tom Herman of Texas. Oh, no. When he's beaten a ranked opponent. Oh no! The following week, he's two and four against the spread with two outright losses. Damn you, Jeff Howe! Damn you! Hopefully, you bounce back. Damn you! And with 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 this line with this line for the West Virginia game opening at a plus seven. Oh no! Tom Herman in Big Twelve play when favored by six plus points, four nine and two against the spread with two outright losses. (laughs) How about that uh, line bumps on down? The rest of America bet it down, and we'll get into a better area. That's true. Good point. <laughs> Damn. Technicalities. All right. So you like that? You like that stat, Rod? No, that's not the way I was. Well, I like this. Yeah, no. Jake Smith. It was like first time he <laughs> had this, more than ninety percent of look, the snaps in the slot. If that's Tom Herman, if Tom Herman's going to turn this thing around, if he's going to yeah. save this thing, this is his opportunity to do it. Yeah. You want to start changing the narrative? There's it. a great spot to change it. I right totally now. agree with that. Yeah, and I'm hoping they do. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. That's going to do it for this week's show. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rod, be appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049, 1019 AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can catch Rod B on the triple option with RBKD each and every weekday from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also catch myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows. Everything's available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Find this podcast anywhere you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. If I just search Horns 24-7 Podcast to get us, State of Recruiting, and the flagship, again, search Horns 24-7 Podcast. Don't forget to like us and leave us a five-star review. 
For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.